Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich Birch, the host around these parts. So glad that you decided to spend some time with us. This is the podcast where uh, we listen in to church leaders from the car- across the country to hear what they're learning. Uh, and today, we've got a real treat on the show. I'm super excited for today's conversation. Been looking forward to it for a couple of weeks. We've got Tahati Lewis. Uh, he really has two really different organizations, Blueprint Church and Rebuild Network. Looking forward to hearing from you today. Tahati, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's a privilege. Oh, thank you so much. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and about the ministry that you're involved in? Yeah, well, um, I am a, a father of of seven. Nice. And so, yeah, so wow. father of seven, my wife and I. So my wife is the real soldier um, <laughs> here. She's she's amazing. What's yeah, the we, age span there? Are they oldest to youngest? Well, we have an 18-year-old. Yep. Um, or is turning 18, and then... We go basically all the way down to five. Wow, that's amazing. Down to five. So we just had birthdays. So we're always celebrating birthdays, always, <laughs> you know, moving on. But yeah, but it's been, it's a it's a treat. There's never a dull moment in our home. No, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so and so basically, I mean, I wasn't raised in the church at all. My dad played professional football and really my life was given towards sports, football. Football was my God. Everything I did and didn't do was based upon sports and, and, and that. And so, uh, you know, but God used that sports um, and as a tool to bring me to himself. And so in 1995, or really in 1993, I didn't get a scholarship to a major Division One school. Mm. And I just started searching that it has to be more than life than sports. And so, okay. and that's when I started searching. So I studied Hinduism, Buddhism, the Nation <laughs> of Islam, African wow. tribal religions. I studied it all. But Christianity was the only thing that said, you're not good enough and you need a savior. You see, I was a good kid, but mm-hmm. I was good because of, I wanted to be a pro athlete like my dad. And I saw kind of drugs and alcohol taking that away from him. So I was like, I didn't do those things because mm-hmm. of, not because of uh, any type of religion. I just didn't do it because I, it got in the way okay. of, you know, fulfilling my goals and my ambitions. So football was my God. Hmm. Came to know the Lord. Went to the, then I ended up getting a scholarship to the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas. Okay. Met a group of people who were living for the Lord, and that really was it. This guy named Art Hooker introduced me to a Christian community. This Christian community, I just it was from there that I stopped learning about things like evangelism and discipleship, and you know, and and it was in that that I really just caught a passion and a desire um, for this idea of making disciples you know mm. i would say my call to ministry didn't come primarily to as a pastor so i can preach i was called so that i can make disciples mm. you know and that was really the heartbeat behind why why i was doing this and i wanted to get her people because it seemed like everybody like we reduced christianity to church services conferences and concerts right. and i was just like how can we really be about what I see the New Testament, see the scriptures about, about making disciples, but not just individually, but corporately, because I feel like so many of us have reduced discipleship to kind of a once a week meeting at Starbucks, you know, and then kind of this mentoring relationship. And, and so I was just really wrestling with that. And so 
the tension that I had was how do we recapture what I really believe that parachurch ministries have stolen this idea of disciple making, recapture that in the local church right. and do that. And so we started basically Blueprint, you know, um, Blueprint Church was birthed out of really 25 of us um, have that was in Denton, Texas, that had a passion to move, to take the church into the urban context. And so 25 of us made that commitment to move to um, to Atlanta, Georgia, to start Blueprint Church. And, and the, you know, and we called it Blueprint because the definition of a blueprint is a plan or a process that's used as a guide to start something new. Hmm. And so it was just really, and we were just like, in a time where the world is becoming more urban, it seems like our churches were becoming more rural and suburban. Hmm, so and true. we were just like, how can we um, embrace the beauty and the complexity, the density and diversity of the urban environment? And that's really... Um, well, when we talk about urban, we're not just talking about inner city, but right. we're talking about dense and diverse places. And so we just said, like, let's wrestle with the centrality of the gospel. Let's wrestle with, you know, discipleship. Let's mm. wrestle with discipleship in the context of a local church in in an urban environment. And so those are the things. And so we said, let's and that's where we kind of established the blueprint and we want to establish a blueprint. But then from there. We said we want to take this and be able to fan the flame and want to be a church planning church. And so and that's where Rebuild Network came from, which is basically a family of churches that's geared around um, recapturing discipleship in the local church. Hmm. You know, and so that was really the heartbeat behind both Blueprint and Rebuild and really what we was doing, because we recognize and we see in the New Testament motto was is that we can go in you know, and to start a gathering. Mm -hmm. But when I see Paul, Paul would go in and he would make disciples. Right. People would come to know the Lord. And as people come to know the Lord, then he would say, we need to appoint elders and deacons. He would right. establish a church after people were one. But what do we do? We go get our 501c3s. We get, you know, <laughs> our, our building. We right. do all those things. And then we try to go do that. Right. But the problem then becomes is now we got like this overhead and so now we got to just put on a better show right. than everyone else. And that's why we get so much church transfers. So, so we were just like, how can we recapture disciple making? And it's been said that you can plant churches and not make disciples. Mm. But if you make disciples, you ultimately plant churches. Right. Absolutely. There's a lot there, a lot packed in. I really appreciate that. Um, what does discipleship look like, you know, at Blueprint, let's say, like how, how would, you know, kind of, how are you helping people take their next steps uh, in their relationship with Jesus? Well, one of our underlying premises is that we believe the old African proverb says this, it takes a village to raise a child. So what we say is that if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a church to raise a Christian. Mm. And so we, we really treat disciple making and discipleship more in a corporate setting, corporate in way than what we talk about this kind of one-on-one -on -one or one-on-12, this kind of small group. Because, and I know that's what we say is, you know, Jesus had the three, Jesus had the 12, right. but Jesus also had 70. Right. You know, and so no one is calling one on 70 disciple making. Right. You know, so we just really have to really think through, OK, what does disciple making look like in the local context? And so we reduce it down to um, the kind of the mechanics of disciple making. And we borrowed some of the language by Mike Breen, uh, where basically he says that based upon the Matthew chapter four, 17 passage, he says, two things. One is inviting people into relationships, but it's challenging them to change. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus did that, he says, come and follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So come into my life mm 
But in doing that, you will become, I will challenge you to become something. And so those are the, like the, the tension that we wrestle with. And, but we, the way I define discipleship or disciple making is, is our capacity mm-hmm. to lovingly embody the person and work of Jesus and transmit that into the life of his followers. Hmm. Now, how, how are you inviting people in? What does that kind of practically look like? How, how, what does that inviting look like? And how do you begin to try to transfer you know, your faith into, into someone else? Yeah, well, one of the things that I would say personally that we do um, and has taken hold in our church is I've been married for 13 and a half years, going on mm-hmm. 14. Mm-hmm. And you, we have really tried to recapture the art of hospitality. Okay. You know, and so in recapturing the art of hospitality, we prime my wife and I. We talk about how do we use our house as a weapon for the gospel, you know, <laughs> yes. and and that's really something that we do. So really, out of eleven out of the thirteen years, we have always had someone living in our home. Okay. We have always did a life on life model. We've always invited and we've created those types of models. And and if you were to come to our church, a lot of people in our gathering. Um, they have. They've taken on this idea of life on life being more than just a once a week meeting at Starbucks when I'm asking you about your life. Right, right, right. And how have you been able to transfer that from um, kind of just your own personal conviction and to, you know, more people in your church? Because I think, you know, that that's impressive that you've been able to see more people take even that kind of commitment of having people live with, with you. How has that gone? Yeah, well, we talk a lot about the concept of being with, mm. being with. I mean, we, we're not really big on trying to focus in on um, the the things that we do as much as the principles, mm-hmm. you know, and I was rocked by a guy named Robert Coleman who wrote the Master Plan of Evangelism, mm-hmm. you know, in, in reading that book, he said two things, the two first two chapters kind of grabbed me. <laughs> the first one was selection. And in the selection chapter, he says men were to be his method. So just saying that men are, men are his method. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is association, is that Jesus was with them. Mm-hmm. And so we really talk a lot about the idea of presence being present and really wrestling through what does that look like like? for you to be present in people's lives. And so that's one of the ways we do it. But practically, very tangibly, the way we've infused this into our church, we Mm -hmm. do a program called SIMS. And it's a bad acronym for basically (laughs) meaning saints in motion. Okay. Um, And so it was, you know, in, in doing that, we invite singles into our house. We invite eight to eight, six to eight singles every year into our house. We do a, a discipleship program with them, and we infuse these principles, these principles of discipleship and disciple making, teaching them tangible, practical things. We redeem the family. We redeem the home. Hmm. Those things, and then, and then, but they're on. So that's a three-week program, three to four weeks, and then we send them out, and then they never can live. They never can go back to kind of this individualistic okay, Christianity, okay, wow. and they go out and they infuse that dna into their church but then we also have people live with us throughout the year Mm -hmm. and so and again so we're constantly saying what we always say discipleship is more caught than taught you know so let's catch it and so you know like i said um, we had 25 people which eventually became 40 people who moved from texas to atlanta to start church Wow. I would say 35 out of those 40 at some point in time lived in our house. Oh, my goodness. You know, it was personally. And so <laughs> it creates a culture. Yes. It creates a culture of, um, of disciple making and life on life that people that people get and then they can gravitate to and, and reproduce. I appreciate you really raising the value. Like what a way, you know, a lot of times people talk about culture building and what they mean is like using the same buzzwords. <laughs> yeah. uh, but what you're saying is, no, it's really about relationship and it's, it is that kind of like, 
intimate, hey, let's let's be together, let's figure out what life looks like, uh, you know, in our church. You know, does your church do a lot of programs? Do you do a lot of, you know, stuff to, to try to help push this forward? What does that look like? No, we, we actually, we don't. We, um, our, our church, our mission statement is, the, is that the gospel changes people, people change the world, mm. right? And so that's, we say our number, our ministry are people. You know, and and it's we we feel like we exist as a church to unleash healthy people to do ministry where life exists. Okay. You know, I really wrestled with this because I wasn't raised in the church. I wrestled with the idea of a pastor always telling us we need to go out and make you know we need to make disciples. We need to be out and do evangelism. But I was just like, if that's what we're supposed to do, why every single night are we at this building? Right. You know. Right. The, so the question true. is, it's like. Our system and our structure has to support the message that we're communicating. Right. And so we really galvanize our church and our staff with the idea of how do we really go about equipping the saints mm. for ministry. And so um, really, I mean, a lot of our focus is, is, is clustered around our missional communities. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we talk about we have four primary platforms at Blueprint. One okay. is our Sunday gathering. Mm -hmm. Two is our MC gatherings. The, the third one is our web, our, our web, social media web. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is what we call the start and stop ministry. So things that, you know, mm -hmm. programs, I'm sorry, start and stop programs. And these are the things that like retreats, conferences, things that they have a start date and an end date, you right, know. Okay. So there's a start and stop there, but it's not an indefinite It's not going on forever. That we have because we don't want to have things that are going to going to compete with people doing ministry where life is. And these are and those platforms are places that where we equip, empower, and encourage our members to do ministry where life exists. So now would you say that you kind of want people to be involved in all four of those aspects? You know, be involved, you know, you know, kind of a lot of times we'll talk about what's your involvement strategy. You'd say it's really, hey, you should be involved in those four things to kind of help, you know, push your faith forward. Well, more of what we Yes, but it's more indirectly. Mm -hmm. These are more of the platforms that we use okay. as a staff to right. equip them. Okay. So by just us equipping them, that's where those are the platforms that we own right. as a staff to equip them. So by okay, okay, in doing that, they're going to embrace those different platforms and environments. Oh yeah, okay. So, so you see those almost like these are the tools that you have yes. um, to push that forward. That's amazing that you'd list social media or web as one of those four. That's that's I think that's the first time I've heard a church leader articulate it in quite that way, which I think is great. Yeah, I just think that is, I mean, it's critical. It's, right. it's, especially in the 21st century, the more and more we go out, I don't think the web is going to become less and less relevant. It's going to be right. all the more you know, relevant. And I think this is, it's, it's, I can communicate quicker to people now by, instead of calling them, by getting on Facebook or tweeting them, right. you know, and, and by doing that, there I, I get a lot quicker response, mm -hmm. a lot, you know, and so, yeah, I just think that it is, it's critical because I mean, Absolutely. even in, even in, in the marketplace, I mean, rightly or wrongly, they're, they got like one tab that's open on their Facebook account, right. you know, so as they're doing their work, Facebook is is up right next to them. Absolutely, so it, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a wonderful tool. 
Now, what have you found, you know, kind of translating, um, you know, you'd mentioned this earlier, kind of translating discipleship, a lot of stuff that's written out there, a lot of conferences are the kind of more suburban, rural, as you had said, um, approaches, as opposed to a more urban context, a more, you know, dense and diverse. I love that language uh, that you use there. How, what have you tried, had to translate? You've been like, you know what, that just doesn't work here. I hear, you know, this premise from those environments, just that doesn't translate in the, you know, communities you work in. Yeah, I think one of the main things that we have to recognize is, you know, a lot of times the conversation is either about attractional or missional. Okay. You know, and these are the models that a lot of times that are perpetuated and thrown. And I don't really feel like I landed either one of those as much. I I think I would just say um, it's kind of, I would say, a hybrid of the incarnational, but I don't even like to use incarnational because Mm. when we talk about incarnational, it's really talking about how I incarnate the gospel. But what I really talk about, what we talk about is becoming. How do we become the ecclesia? How do we become the people of God in a local community? So we we really wrestled through four primary questions. What is the church? You know, and Mm -hmm. why does the church exist in the world? Mm -hmm. So that's one. The second one, what is the identity of the church? What does the church should be known for? Right. The third one is how do we protect that identity? And then the fourth one is how do we put that identity on display? Okay. You know, and I think so we wrestle with those questions. And so now what we feel like we need to do is how do we become the people of God in a community right? and then draw people Mm -hmm. in that way? And so, like it's been said, that people will be first converted to the Christian community before they're converted to the Christian God, Mm, you know? And so as they are known because of their love or love for one another, we reflect them and says, we're only able to love because God through Christ has loved us. You know, and and so that is so. How do we become? And I think that's so important about this becoming language, mm-hmm. because the tension is that a lot of times we will go in, we move into the 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 sub, uh, the, the city, mm-hmm. and we talk about us versus them. How do we reach right, right. Them? those people? Yeah, yeah those right. people. And it's about mm-hmm. reaching right. versus becoming. Mm. You know, and I think what we have to do. It produces more of an ethnic missiology, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and I think we need to return back to a neighbor missiology okay. and looking like because of the density and diversity that our neighborhoods no longer look like one cultural group mm-hmm. that was just like, how do we reach our neighbor? How do we create instead of kind of continuing the popularized version of the homogeneous unit principle where we lift up one Saddleback Sam type of model right. and create a whole service around this person or individual Mm -hmm. and attract those types of people, what happens when our neighborhoods no longer look like that? And how do we really um, establish that? And I think it's through relationship becoming Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, is how we're going to be able to uh, overcome some of these hurdles. Absolutely. You know, I know there's that. I think it's true that people, we live in a culture now where people need to belong before they can believe or become, you know, and I think a lot of times, we'd have that reverse. We were saying like, if you could just come and be, be like us first. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then eventually you'll become, you know, you might believe what we believe and then eventually you'll belong. Um, if you hang around here long enough, yeah. you know, I think that has been turned on its head. Um, yeah. for sure needs to be turned on its head, probably more pointedly. Um, for sure. And yeah. what would you say? Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we jump into the lightning round? Well, no, I just, I really think that this is a wonderful time. And um, in God's grace, mm-hmm. kind of with urbanization, globalization, and secularization um, that we have as a, specifically as American Christians, 
to present a clear presentation of the gospel in the local church. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think in the, with the world becoming more urban and density and diversity, we have the ability to overcome what has torn apart this nation, whether it be socioeconomically, racially, uh, or just, you know, gender or whatever it is, and that we can really put on a healthy picture of what the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of God can, could be like. And I think um, we just need to really desire to be known by the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, instead of primarily being known by right theology or right this or right, you know, and I think right worship or right whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just think that if we can really recapture what I really believe God has called us to be known for, that we would, we we can have something very attractive and appealing um, in this new urbanization, globalization, and secularization of our world. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. All right, well, here we are uh, in the lightning round where we jump through a series of questions that we ask all the church leaders that have been on our uh, show. Uh, today, we're super excited for a great guest, just plowing through some fantastic content with uh, Dahadi. Super glad to have you on the show today. Um, what's an online resource that you've been using that's been particularly helpful for, uh, for your ministry? Well, there's actually a new one that I'm really excited about. It's called mm-hmm. Ministry Grid. Okay. And the Ministry Grid is just a bunch of um, leaders that are getting on. It's not a lot of, you know, flares and lights and mm-hmm. whistles. It's just a guy getting in front of a camera and saying, hey, here's three things that, that's helpful about parking ministry. Here's right. four things that's helpful to teaching your leaders. And so Ministry Grid has been a great uh, it's fantastic. If you don't know Ministry Grid, you really should check it out. It's a great, uh, great ministry for sure. Um, what's a book you've read in the last six months or a year that's had an impact on your on your thinking? Man, there's been so many. There's <laughs> um, actually what's interesting. There's a book called The Voice of the Heart uh-huh. by Chip Dodd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really allowed us to get down to some of the emotional things of the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you know, everybody's kind of not everybody, but we're talking about kind of emotional intelligence. IQ is not what's our EQ, mm-hmm. you know, and I think this book really captures some of that and both as for my own personal heart, for my family's heart, but also just in ministry and ministering to people, how to get um, past the barriers and reach down to the brokenness, you know, of the heart. Chip Dodd is a great book by the called The Voice of the Heart. Nice. Very cool. Um, if you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive today, uh, who would you want to get that 15 minutes with and why? Man, um, and I know I already had these questions and now they're changing. On me. <laughs> That's um, fine. That's totally but, fine. You know, the, 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 the leader that I would get with today, I mean, there's so many, but I would love to just wrestle with some of the issues that like a Barack Obama, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some of the things that they, he wrestles with um, just on a national basis but then also trying to basically contextualize them you know um, thing i think what we need to do especially as the church is how do we go from the macro to the individual and kind of keep that uh gathering because we know that the church i mean is the bride of christ but god also meets us on our individual level and i think a lot of times we're either focused on the macro with lacking the individual or we focus on the individual but not kind of throwing the baby out the bathwater with the macro and i think mm-hmm. You know, from a presidential level, you have to think about it on the nations, what's best for the nation, but you also right. got to think about individual states. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so I would want to talk to someone like him who wrestles with that, you know, without the gray hairs that the presidency gives you. <laughs> exactly. 
All right. Well, I appreciate being on the show and you want to kind of kick back and just relax, you know, have some downtime. What do you do? How do you, you know, how, how do you like to have fun? Well, before I had a major injury, injury I just ruptured my patella tendon. Um, <laughs> I used to play uh, uh, basketball. I, I mean, I love basketball, but, you know, I've been sidelined. Uh, and, you know, I'm reaching, I'm, I'm turning 40 very quickly, so I'm not 25 <laughs> anymore. So I got to yeah. find either another sports hobby. But outside of that, I love sports. I'm a huge Laker fan. Nice. And um, I love, I play Xbox. So I'm a, I'm a gamer. I was, I was raised on Atari 2600. So oh, great. Atari 2600, and I went through it, through it all. So I'm now Xbox 360. I haven't jumped to Xbox One yet, but, oh, nice. um, you know, but so I love that. Yeah, my son wants an Xbox. We've had a Wii, and so, you know, we're, and he's just getting old. You know, he's getting probably too old for a lot of the games on the Wii. What, do you think it's worth making the jump right to one, or should I be fine with an Xbox 360? Well, I mean, if you, it's all according to your budget. Because yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, obviously, Xbox One is just started. It just touched right. the bases. There's not a lot of games on there right. okay. yet. But, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's scratching the surface, and it's about, to, it's about to go. I mean, so if you're just entering in the game now, I definitely would go Xbox One or PlayStation 4. Yeah, you nice. Cool. Entering that way. Cool. Well, Dahadi, I really appreciate you being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you or your church or rebuild, how can they do that? What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, well, I mean, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Rebuild Network. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go, uh, Blueprint Church is at Blueprint Church. I am at Dahati, D H A T I. That's one of the benefits of having a name like Dahati. You just, <laughs> just say your name. Um, right. And then it's, it's basically rebuildnetwork.org or blueprintchurch.org. Nice. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Richard. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.